Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hi there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I started doing my show prep today and it hit me. We, we've, we've played these hits before. Uh, I've got audio uh, today. It is, well, someone on MSNBC complaining about Kristen Cinema being an independent, taking the air out of Raphael Warnock's victory. Simone Sanders, formerly of the White House, complaining about Kristen Cinema, Bernie Sanders. Got stuff on the Trump Marlago raid. There's some breaking news happening at this very moment as I'm talking. The Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has been subpoenaed by the Department of Justice uh, in relation to documents held at Mar-a-Lago. Not sure how they're related, but uh, the Department of Justice is probing the matter. But it's all about Trump and that. And there's Kristen Sinema. There's Elon Musk and Twitter. Uh, there, there's more stories over the weekend and this morning about the Brittany Griner, um, Victor, what's his name, trade and it, news is not new. We've reached that point of the year where people are grasping for new things. People are beginning to wind down. Inflation is still a story. COVID is still a story. In New York, they want to start making people wear masks again. I'm not making that up. And now they're deciding whether or not inflation is going to be a big deal or not. Janet Yellen suggests it's receding. This is Joe Biden's uh, economic advisor, Heather Bushy, uh, Boucher, something like that on MS. No, she's on CNBC. Well, this, as we all know, this has been a challenging economic time, right? We've gone through a global pandemic. We have emerged from that strong in a relatively good position. The economic data at this moment does not indicate that we are in a recession. It does not indicate that we are um, in a recession. We hope that's the case. The economy looks like inflation's still high, but at least going down some. Gas prices are down. You know, my even my kids have noticed driving past the gas station yesterday. A, a gallon of regular unleaded was two seventy seven nine. Uh, laugh with my kids about the stupid federal excise tax on gasoline. Uh, only Congress would decide. Let's tax a thousandth of a penny or nine thousandths of a penny. Onto, onto gasoline. Uh, but the gas price has gone down here in Georgia where I am. Our governor has decided to maintain the uh, suspension of the gas tax. It will come back in January, but he did not want to increase it before Christmas. But all the news that's new is old and all the old news is new again. We're at that part of the year. There is stuff I want to talk about, believe it or not, but I, I just I, I wanted to call your attention to this because that in and of itself is news that so much of the news media is manufactured. And I want to spend just a couple of minutes on this point. There, there, There's other stuff, trust me, there's other stuff, but it is a point that uh, I want to call your attention to it. So we are uh, slightly less than halfway through December. 
Next week, most of the major news anchors will begin to walk away and disappear for the year, myself included. I'm going to go to Las Vegas for a hockey game next week, uh, go on a helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon, and then I'll come back for my um, for my Christmas program, December 23rd, and then I will go back for a week and be gone. A lot of the folks on TV news will step away and surrender their anchor desks to younger people who want to want a shot at it. When I was on CNN, when I was just starting out, the Christmas period was actually the biggest time of year for me. And then for my first year at Fox as well, because I had a studio in my house. This was way pre-COVID before people were normally doing this. Most people would get up and drive to the station and have makeup artists and stuff. And I would do it out of my house. So during the Christmas season, when I was at CNN and then when I was at Fox, I was on TV all the time. Because I didn't have to travel. It was easy for me to do. And it was less impact on the disruption of schedules of other people. And the anchors will start to disappear for a few days. And so we're at that point where all of the news that people are talking about is the same old news. And there's a point to this you've got to understand. So much of our news cycle is unnecessary. But the media keeps it going at all hours of the day and night to keep you coming back. And the way they do that is to agitate you. The way they do that is to stir you up, to inflame your passions. And in so doing, they get you invested emotionally in the stories. So on a daily basis, the story changes or there's more nuance to the story. There's more refinement to the story and you keep coming back for more and more and more and more. They have essentially serialized the news where they don't talk to you about the news at the moment it happens. They drag it out over time. So you got to keep buying the paper. You got to keep tuning in. You got to boost the ratings. Then you hit December and the gig is up. They're done. And you will notice how suddenly the news slows down. When there is a big event, it will be fully covered in a newscast so they can move back to retelling the old stories. Years ago, after my daughter was born, 2005, I think it was. She was born in 2005. I think it was was right after she was born that Christmas. There was that massive earthquake in the Indian Ocean that triggered tsunamis and killed millions of people, literally millions of people wiped away in a couple of hours by tsunamis. And it was during the Christmas season and all of the major newscasters had to rush to cover it and they were on Christmas and they covered it and they covered the human exhaustion, they covered the damage, they covered the ecological toll, the environmental toll, the human toll, the business toll. They did all those things in a few days and like the water, themselves receded, were gone. And by New Year's Day, they could move on to other things. They could uh, drink live on TV and have everybody laugh at them. They didn't have to keep the story going because people were checked out and they were checked out. I'm just deeply fascinated by that phenomenon. 
deeply fascinated by it. I'm deeply fascinated by the phenomenon of the media trying to keep you engaged in stories and then trying to find up with new angles to old stories when the old stories resurface so that you don't get bored. So, for example, let's take COVID. COVID is back in the news. There is a COVID surge. It's not just COVID. It's um, it's it's multiple other uh, diseases, viruses, bacteria. The flu is back. RSV is back. Lots of kids get that. Some older Americans are starting to get it. A lot of people are getting these viruses and, and airborne illnesses now because for two years they kept their guard up and now they've lowered their guard and they're getting sicker than they've ever been. COVID and the like is spreading again in New York. It's everywhere. It's an epidemic. People in crowds are getting sick and everything is survivable. But they want to make you put a mask back on. They want to make you get vaccines. They want to make you get a vaccine that doesn't work to stop COVID. They want to control your life again. Now that the election is over and they can be more honest about it, but also we're at the end of the news year. They got to find something to cover. They got to find something to make a sure. They've got to get the media's attention. And so to get the media's attention during the holidays, you've got to be a little more sensational. You got to do things like say, I think we need to bring masks back, whether they do or they don't. Ukraine is also in the news still. Ukraine has been in the news for a while. Joe Biden was asked about uh, sending troops to Ukraine a short time ago, and this is what he said. Are we sending troops to Ukraine? No, we're sending material like we have, billions of dollars. That was him wrapping up some event, uh, and that's what he said. Are are we sending troops to Ukraine? The uh, the reporter asked, Biden repeats it back, are we sending troops to Ukraine? The reporter says, yes, Biden says, no, we're sending materials. Like we have billions of dollars, Ukraine stays in the news. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Ukraine situation. Unlike, for example, the COVID situation, unlike the, the cinema situation, unlike the Brittany Griner situation, inflation and the like, uh, the Ukraine situation on a daily basis, one of those intriguing stories that continues to change and in fact appears to be changing to our advantage. The Ukrainian really are beginning to chase the Russians out. They've taken back key territories that people just assumed were going to be lost for a while. Not only are they taking the situ- the story back, not only are they taking back the um, territory, but the Russians are now openly beginning to complain on television that there may be no plan and the situation may be hopeless. And the mothers of Russia are beginning to complain openly about Vladimir Putin. And that perhaps is the most intriguing part. Because if you know your history, the Russians would not have left Afghanistan in 1980, but for the Russian mothers beginning to protest in the streets. The Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan and it was more brutal for them than Vietnam was for us. And moms in the Soviet Union got tired of seeing their sons come home in body bags. And they began to protest in the streets in 1979 and into 1980. And the protests got louder and more vocal. And the Soviets could do a lot of awful things to a lot of people, but they weren't going to gun down all the moms in the streets. And they had to get out of Afghanistan. And now you fast forward 
And the moms are again beginning to protest. The moms are again beginning to complain. The moms are again taking action in the streets. And that is a fascinating angle to the story, that it is those moms and the Ukrainians are taking back their territory. And they're doing it with our weapons that they're buying with our money. And the Europeans are now beginning to complain that we're no longer just the arsenal of democracy. We're indebting the EU because the EU has pledged to help Ukraine pay back some of its money. And so they actually view us as some sort of unworthy uh, scammer, credit scammer, who's throwing a bunch of money at Ukraine they can't pay back to force Ukraine to pay it back. They're, they really are. Uh, the, the European Union members are complaining about us giving Ukraine too much money now that they're going to have to help them pay back. And what are the Ukrainians doing with the money? Some of it, they're funding their government, they're funding their people, they're feeding their people, but a lot of it, they're buying our weapons to kill the Russians. And it's working. And we should be thankful for that. But all of these stories I've mentioned, they're the stories we've been talking about forever because the news media doesn't have any incentive at this time of year to go out and find a new story to keep you inflamed, to keep your tensions up, to keep the excitement up. They're just recirculating, repopulating, and respinning all of the old stories, which begs the question or raises the issue of how much do they do that sort of stuff all year long just to keep you tuned in? And maybe those of us who are so anxious about the news, and I know there are a lot of you out there, Maybe you should consider how the news cycle changes about this time of year every year to realize how manufactured the rest of the news cycle is to manufacture the anxiety you feel so that you keep tuning in to try to get that anxiety to go away as the news headlines change. And Maybe you should realize as much as the world is, well, headed towards chaos, it seems, there's actually data that uh, four in 10 think we're at the end of times. That maybe it has a lot to do with the information you consume and how you consume it. A friend of mine and I were discussing bowl and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me, and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bowl and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve. And right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with bowl and branch bedding. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. It's going to look good. It's going to feel great for a limited time. Get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping. When you use promo code Eric at bowlandbranch.com. that's bowling branch B O L L A N D branch.com promo code is Eric E R I C K at bowlandbranch.com. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, let's go to Cindy. You're up next. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call, and I hope you and your family and your crew there have a wonderful holiday. I just Thank have you a quick so much. comment. Sure. You were talking about stories that don't that the they don't seem to cover or they get regurgitated. regurgitated. What about the border? I mean, especially when Bill Malusian was reporting on the tremendous surge at the border this past weekend. I mean, how long can the mainstream media just ignore it? 
Oh, they can ignore that one for a while. Only Fox News covers it, uh, which, you know, is always, as an aside, fascinating to me, Cindy, how they complain about Fox News and its ratings, and yet Fox is covering this issue, and no one else really wants to cover the issue because the narrative is so important to them, and the narrative overwhelmingly is that the Democrats are uh, in charge and competent, and the border's not really an issue. They're, they're, they're lying to all of us. And um, it's actually a bad problem. In fact, they've had another massive wave across the border this weekend. And in fact, as the Biden administration is winding down the Title 42 situation, um, there are going to be even more people coming. One of the big issues, though, to keep in mind, too, is that uh, there's, uh, this entire process signals that Mexico is a failing state and in so being a failing state. We're having to deal with the humanitarian crisis of Mexico. Um, At some point, there's going to have to be some level of a military solution, I'm afraid. The fentanyl overrunning our borders coming through Mexico, the Mexican government is unable to keep even the people of Mexico safe. Uh, I've actually got a friend of mine who has a cousin who was at an event in Mexico for a wedding at one of the nice beach resorts and got kidnapped by the cartel and thankfully was recovered um, and is recovering but was savagely abused by the cartel. And this is happening to a lot of Americans who go down there. It is not a safe place to go anymore. We're going to have to do something. And some media coverage of it would be good. But again, you notice how they would rather cover COVID and masking in New York and inflation and Kristen Cinema than they would actually cover the border. And you know what's so funny is how they're covering it. Listen to this clip about Kristen Cinema on MSNBC. I mean, it really sucked the air out of the room of the victory party. I feel like the confetti was like still dropping to the floor and she like came in with the shockwave on Capitol Hill. I mean, two good signs for Democrats here. Number one, she says she's not going to caucus with Republicans. Democrats, quite frankly, don't even see her at caucus meetings as it is right now. It does matter less of where she lunches and more of how she votes, obviously. Uh, but also she asked that Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to keep her committee assignments. And that's going to matter big for Democrats because it will allow them to retain the majority on committees, which will allow them to exercise their subpoena power, also push through judicial nominees, which is a big priority for the Biden administration. I do think this happens to be more about 2024 and sort of building up that independent coalition that she's looking for in Arizona. Yeah, probably so. But, oh, she stepped on poor Raphael Warnock's victory party and the Republicans able to save her. But no mention of the border. You know, honestly, if the media wanted to learn about Fox News, it's it's not the Tucker Carlson's, honestly. It's, it's not the Hannity's or the Laura Ingram's. It's that Fox covers the issues that Americans outside of the coasts care about. Fox pays a lot of attention to the stories that people in the heartland care about. And they cover those stories. And so people tune into Fox. I mean, if you really want to put CNN back on the map and boost its ratings, go cover the border. Give wall-to-wall objective coverage of what's happening at the border, just like Fox does. Contrast your coverage to theirs. But they won't do stuff like that. They're so focused in their offices in New York and Washington. Get out into the heartland and find the stories there. It would be worth doing and probably recover the ratings. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. 
They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. So this is kind of interesting. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Toyota is testing a hydrogen combustion engine. There are hydrogen fuel cells out there, but Toyota's made a hydrogen combustion engine, and essentially, it it can take a um, the the systems of an internal combustion engine that already exist, convert it to hydrogen, and it's an easier lift than a lot of other technologies if they can make it work. Uh, they're currently around forty percent of the way through um, developing the the full concept. They're using a Corolla. And uh, they want to. They think if they can make it work, they can get buy-in through hydrogen production and transportation. They'll be able to do it. They, it's from a, a spinoff of motorsports. It's just interesting technology that's coming about here. Um, I want to talk about social contagion. This is delicate, and these are the sorts of topics that can get people canceled. In fact, um, Philip asked me earlier what video I wanted to push out. If you text data to 33777, you can be a subscriber, and we push out interviews, videos from the show. I've actually got an interview coming out uh, soon uh, with a farmer uh, down in South Georgia. Uh, He runs a farm that is one of the American leaders in uh, the return to localized farming, and he's highly profitable. White Oak Farms, they they do uh, poultry, they do pork, they do beef, they convert the cows into leather goods in addition to the, the beef. It, it, it's an interesting interview. If you're a subscriber, you get it, and you can subscribe by texting data to 33777. And every day we push out videos, uh, one video monologue to subscribers who may not listen to the show, but we want to highlight something I've said. And and the one that I told Philip to push out is the one we may not be able to push out. It's this one. Because YouTube and most of social media has become deeply, deeply hostile to anyone who speaks the truth on transgenderism and the social contagion that it has become among a lot of mentally ill people and a lot of girls struggling to fit in. Someone sent me a meme yesterday, said baby boomers struggle with the idea that they wore bell bottoms. Gen X struggles with the idea that its haircuts were so bad. Millennials struggle with the idea that they all had the emo goth phase. Gen Z will struggle with the idea that they all chopped off their nether regions. Makes a point. 
Lisa Davis is a researcher on this issue. I saw her story. Uh, it was tied to a retired Navy SEAL detransitioning. The transition made it fa- made this person famous. Um, nearly 10 years ago, this Navy SEAL transitioned as transgender and he is detransitioning and calls on Americans to wake up. Everything you see on CNN with my face, do not believe the words. Chris Beck, formerly known as Kristen Beck, told conservative influencer Robbie Starbuck in an interview published this month. Everything that happened to me for the last 10 years destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did it to myself, but I had help. I take full responsibility. I went on CNN and everything else, and that's why I'm here right now. I'm trying to correct that. He gained notoriety in 2013 when he spoke to Anderson Cooper about transitioning as a woman. He says, I was used. I was naive. I was in a really bad way. I got taken advantage of. I got propagandized. I got used badly by a lot of people who had knowledge way beyond me. They knew what they were doing, and I didn't. Beck served in the Navy for 20 years, including on SEAL Team 6. He was deployed 13 times. He received 50 medals and ribbons for his service. And now he says he's speaking out because there are thousands of gender clinics being put up all over America. As soon as kids go in and say, I'm a tomboy or this makes me feel comfortable, then a psychologist says, oh, you're transitioned, and the next day you're on hormones, the same hormones they are using for medical castration of pedophiles, and now they're giving them to healthy 13-year-olds. Now, a lot of people say this is all exaggerated. But Lisa Selen Davis is a writer and speaker, has been in the uh, New York Times, CNN, the Washington Post, covers the gender wars. I want to read you something from a piece that she wrote. The 2015 guidelines on gender-conforming surgeries were created with a certain cohort in mind. At the turn of the 21st century, the Dutch had designed a medical protocol for what was then called gender identity disorder based on a small group, mostly male, that had long-lasting childhood-onset gender dysphoria and didn't have other serious mental health issues. They seemed to fare well after medical transition in adolescence, but the methodology asserting this wasn't terribly reliable. By contrast, the young people who sought care at Swedish clinics after 2015 were increasingly teenage girls with multiple psychiatric diagnoses. And there were a lot of them. It rose from four to 77 per 100,000 inhabitants. The guidelines were written for what we thought was a smaller group of patients and also more homogenous. The same trend was found in Finland, where clinicians first started providing medical treatment for gender dysphoric youth in 2011. Write a Kurtu Talia Hino, chief psychiatrist in the Department of Adolescent Psychiatry at Tempere University Hospital in Finland, said this came about in part over political pressure, as well as growing awareness that the Dutch and British were medically transitioning kids. In 2015, she and her colleagues started to see the same dramatic increase in female adolescents with gender dysphoria. The number of referrals skyrocketed. 
There were five-fold more girls coming in. In addition, they seemed to not have an organic kind of gender dysphoria. Rather, they appear to be very much influenced by other adolescents. What we're seeing here is peer pressure. More and more doctors are starting to raise concerns that medicine and the like, they have gone too far. Doctors have gone too far. Governments have gone too far. What we have is a social contagion. There have been story after story after story, largely dismissed in the mainstream media, of large groups of kids in schools coming out as suffering gender dysphoria. Many times there are kids with autism on the spectrum. Someone in the school comes out, a teacher comes out, and the kids decide that they have this problem as well. We're seeing a real social problem. What's mind-numbing about this? is that so much of the government and the media elite are on the side of the social contagion. So here's the thing. I don't think the 2020 election was stolen, and I think that there's a social contagion on the right that makes a lot of people on the right hostile to truth. That's going to offend some of you. I know more bluntly said than I probably should say it, but I do think that there is a social contagion run amok on the right where uh, you define yourself by people on the other side. And if other people on the left, if they say X, you're going to say negative X. You're not going to say Y. You're not going to offer an alternative. You're going to take a position diametrically opposed to the person who said it because of your tribal identity. It is a war with truth. But the other side has the same war with truth. The people who will tell you the truth about the election can't tell you the truth about gender. Because people on the right say this gender dysphoria stuff isn't really real. It's a mental health problem. It's not a natural phenomenon. So people on the left dig in their heels. They take not position Y, but position negative X, the position diametrically opposed to the people they don't like. Both sides defining themselves by the opposite of the other, not as a contrary position to the other, but the direct opposite of the other. And in this situation, it's costing the lives and well-being and mental health of thousands of kids a year. Because the people who will tell you the truth about one thing can't bring themselves to tell you the truth about this because the tribe opposite them doesn't agree with it. They're captured by their hostility of the other side. They're not captured by truth. But I think there's something else going on here too. You know we all have conspiracy theories. Everyone believes something that ultimately is a conspiracy. I'll tell you mine. Shh. Let me tell you one of my conspiracy theories. I personally believe, without any evidence, many of the people on the left who push gender dysphoria and gender-conforming surgeries, sex reassignment surgeries is what they really are, if you were to ask them, if you were to probe them, you would find out many of them think 
The world is too full of people. They're Malthusians. So why not embrace gender dysphoria? And you can take a child, provide a hysterectomy, or provide castration, and ensure that child does not contribute to the human overpopulation crisis. It's convenient. Isn't it? Isn't it? That, that's my conspiracy theory. I got, I got no evidence. I mean, it, it, remarkably, these people do overlap. I mean, pretty precisely. The people who believe in gender dysphoria are also obsessive about climate change and the end of the world as we know it. So, of course, it fits. And they probably don't even have a conscious bit of it. But there's something else here, too. And this is my faith angle that gets me into trouble. This is where I get canceled. There's also something spiritual at play. If you're the devil and you you know, because you know what the devil knows God, Satan could quote scripture to Christ in the wilderness. Even the demons recognize God. They just don't accept him as their Lord. Well, you know the gates of hell will not prevail. I mean, y'all, I, 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 this isn't crazy theology here. Satan in the desert tempted Christ by quoting scripture. He took it out of context like so many pastors, certain churches, not going to make an Episcopal crack here, are willing to do. He knows the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So why not sterilize the church? Hmm? Hmm? potential converts. Why not sterilize them? So they can still be converted later, but if the devil can get to them first through the means and ends of society, well, then they can still join the church, but they're not going to be adding to the church. The gates of hell may not prevail, but why not limit the numbers over which it can't prevail? I mean, look, there's a spiritual component to this, I think. I, I, I Listen, this, this is the part where, where people who aren't believers, they tune out and say, oh, Erickson's lost his mind again. But take the spiritual component out of it and just look at the world component. You've got a bunch of people who are obsessed about the end of the world. They are obsessed about climate change. They are obsessed about overpopulation. It is not a coincidence these people have embraced an ideology that causes the sterilization of others. It is not a coincidence that these people embrace an ideology that twists truth. And the fallout, the damage, the collateral damage are the kids, the kids more and more data out there is showing that kids are doing this based on peer pressure. Kids are doing this as part of political pressure. Kids are doing this because they're liberal single mothers. Frankly, that's cruel of me to say, but it's true. If you if you want to know it, it's true. A lot of these kids are, are in single mother households who have problems with men. They have a son and they decide my son really wants to be a daughter because he doesn't want to be part of the oppressive patriarchy. And they push their son into doing this. Or their grandson. You got to be careful. Our society is playing with fire. Playing with real fire. Playing with the extermination of a species. And it happens to be our own. 
as they push an idea and an ideology that defies evolutionary science, defies biology, defies theology, defies everything and becomes a theology and an ideology unto itself. So ask yourselves, one of the cause celebs was this Navy SEAL, Kristen Beck, who's actually Chris Beck, but he became a woman and was put on television, paraded across the networks, a Navy SEAL, he becomes a she. How many of them will now cover him as he transitions back to being he? How many of them will cover the truth? Don't hold your breath for much. You don't have to hold your breath with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It gets rid of the stinky odors in your house. All you have to do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, on the front of the website, and you can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms to wipe out bad odors so you don't have to hold your breath or, or breathe through your nose constantly or, what, or your mouth constantly so you don't smell them. What you do, go to EdenPureDeals.com, put in ERIC3, you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you get free shipping. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier, but it's also, importantly, an air odor eliminator. So you can plug it in with a USB cord in a car. If someone, if you, if you got a rental car, this is my use case. You got a rental car. Someone's been smoking in it, left a block of stinky cheese or dead fish in it, Philip, and you fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, and it eliminates those odors, wipes them out. You just step away from the car, let it do its thing for a little while, come back, unplug it, and the odor's gone. You got a hotel room that's stinky or a basement or an RV. You got an upstairs. You got a downstairs. You got a litter box. You got pet odors. You got smoke odors. You got fry odors. You name it. It wipes out the odors. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. My apologies to those of you on the phone. I've only got about a minute left. So um, try tomorrow, if you will. I'm sorry. Bad with clock management today. Uh, look, th there, there are a ton of stories that I should talk about. Let me settle on just two right here. Uh, in Atlanta, in a gated community, in a nice section of Atlanta, off West Paces Ferry, that's where the governor's house is and others, a elderly woman, 77, in a gated community. Somehow a young man, it appears, was trying to steal her car. She walked out into her garage and was stabbed to death, found by her son who had come home for Christmas. Uh, this happened uh, not too long after in a, another very nice neighborhood in Atlanta, Peachtree Battle. A man was randomly gunned down by someone who had committed a crime and was looking to steal a car to escape. Now in Washington, D.C., shootings of youths are soaring. 16 kids have been fatally shot this year, more than double 2021. There is a common theme that does not go mentioned by many in the media. The reduction in the number of people working as police officers. You can complain all you want. But Rudy Giuliani's broken window theory of crime enforcement, getting rid of it is coming back to haunt American cities. And the reduction of police and making police the bad guys, the fallout that comes with this is deeply, deeply dangerous for American cities. And many people are going to die because of it.